What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate, and we're back. Listen, uh, if you aren't familiar, if you don't know, or you're you're not aware, you know, you know, and it's fair that you're not aware. We get new listeners every single day. Living Corporate partners with brands to drive campaigns and let folks know what they're doing in the world of creating more equitable places to work. Like we do that, right? And one of our premier partners is Pfizer. We work with them last year and we're excited to continue our campaign this year so you may have heard our first re-entry into this campaign last month i'm really excited if you haven't because i want you to click the link in the show notes to check out that episode and check out the profile that we have on pfizer on our website again that link will be in the show notes and uh, i'm excited because we're continuing that campaign we're continuing a new entry into that campaign today and it's kind of cool. We have like a twofer. We talk to two executive leaders with Pfizer, talk about their career journeys, talk a little bit about the work that they're doing. And we talk about um, health accessibility and like how just critical it is to not only the world and work of Pfizer, but just like the future of healthcare as, as a space. And so I just want to make sure that if you haven't already, make sure that you're subscribing to Living Corporate. Let's say you got here some other way. Maybe you learned about us through a friend or you maybe you saw this like on an ad or like whatever the case is. Like I wanna make sure that you're plugged in and you don't go nowhere because we're gonna continue this campaign after the holidays, all right? So I wanna make sure that you're plugged in and you're ready and that you get an alert the next time, you know what I mean? this continues, right? This will be sometime in January. So I'm just saying like, yes, I'm excited about this episode. I want y'all to hear this conversation, but I don't want y'all to miss any future conversation. You know what I mean? So follow us on Twitter at Living Corporate, on Instagram at Living Corporate. Follow us on LinkedIn at Living Corporate. We're Living Corporate everywhere. Just Google Living Corporate. You'll see what we have. Anyway, all that being said, we're going to get into a few more messages from our network and then, and then, and then we're going to have our conversation. I can't wait for y'all to check this out. We'll talk to you soon. Audra, Obi, welcome to the show. How y'all doing? Good. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, I'm excited um, for y'all for this conversation and um, look, Pfizer is a really big place. I'm really curious as to your own stories and reasons as to what's why y'all initially chose Pfizer and what's kept you at Pfizer. Yeah, I can I can start. So I came from a background, a, a pretty diverse set of experience prior to Pfizer. So I started out. Um, I graduated from college with a degree in biomedical engineering, so very technical. Um, and when I graduated, I was like, I don't want to do any of these jobs. Um, I really wanted to work with people. I wanted to learn more about business. I wanted to do fun stuff. And so I ended up uh, working in pharmaceutical sales as a rep for four years. And um, I always say it's the most fun that I've had in a job. Um, I really had the opportunity to learn about the business side of healthcare. Previously, I was always exposed to um, the provider side. So being a doctor or a nurse or a pharmacist. So this taught me about business. Um, and I really had a good amount of accountability in terms of the decisions that I made on a day-to-day -day basis. It also put me in an environment where I worked with and served the communities that I love to serve. So it was really a great experience. Um, but I wanted to learn more about business. So 
I left that and I went to business school. I went to the tech school of business at Dartmouth um, and came out and worked in consulting. So still in the healthcare space, focused on business, but like working with a lot of different businesses and understanding their challenges and their problems and um, making recommendations on how to proceed. That was also really interesting, really um, exciting work. Um, but at the end of it, I really wanted to be a decision maker. I wanted to learn what happened to our recommendations that we made after we, re we provided them to the clients and how the decisions were made. What were the inner workings of a business that informed how these decisions were made? So that's what really brought me to Pfizer. Um, and what's kept me here is really the vastness of the opportunities, right? So working for such a big company, there are so many different things, insights you can get around the different types of work that people do in this industry, all within the same company. Um, the opportunities are there. They're not always the easiest to get, but they're there and you do have insight into them. Um, and I was also interested in really getting global experiences. So one of the one of the other things that really attracted me to Pfizer was something called the Global Health Fellowship Program. Um, and it's an opportunity that Pfizer provides employees who have been at Pfizer for a certain amount of time to live and work abroad um, and particularly work in underserved countries, um, developing markets, working with um, nonprofit organizations to advance um, healthcare, access to healthcare in developing countries. And Pfizer gives employees opportunities to do that work for, you know, an extended period of time. Mine was, you know, four to six months, I was thinking. Um, and that was really an experience that I looked to get um, in terms of having global experiences and working outside the country. So for me, um, what brought me here was really the opportunity to learn about business, to actually be a decision maker, to have impact, to get global experiences. And what's kept me here is the opportunity to try to try different things. This is this is my third role in the past three years. So I've really taken advantage of the um, availability of different opportunities and um, gotten a lot of great experience trying different things at the organization. So I've been here seven years, um, but I've done a number of different things and that's what keeps me excited about the company and excited about the work that we're doing. Awesome. And then Audra, I know that, you know, your journey has been um, additionally unique. I'm curious to learn more, you know, around, you know, how you started at Pfizer, what that's looked like um, as your role has, you know, evolved and shifted and changed. What can you share about that? Yeah, so my role at Pfizer's very different. Um, I started with the company um, on the consumer health business at the time. And there I drove marketing. Um, it was called the shopper marketing role, um, where I worked directly with the retailer. In my case, it was Target. And basically led any uh, joint marketing that you may have seen against those brands. Um, I spent just almost seven years on the Pfizer consumer health business. And then Pfizer sold us uh, in 2019. And so I was laid off. Um, another company bought us and I was laid off. And so my journey over the next two and a half years was really focusing on something that I had always kind of had at the back of my mind that I wanted to do, which was 
creating products um, that would help black and brown girls see themselves in the world and also empower them and encourage them and really fill this space that I saw from working in um, consumer packaged goods and retail marketing, which was products that um, appealed to um, black and brown people. And so I was really fortunate that through that difficult process of being laid off, um, I won because Pfizer being a large uh, pharma company, I in the amount of time that I spent with them received a decent severance. Um, and I used that severance to invest in myself and in my business and also comfortably take some time off. Um, I always knew that it wasn't a matter of if, but when I would go back to work because I think with entrepreneurship um, and having a startup business, people think that just because you launch it, it's going to take off and you're going to be, you know, rolling in, you know, the dough. And that doesn't necessarily happen. And for me, I created what my my heart was led to do. And so over the course of, you know, that layoff, which happened December 2019, so many things occurred, right? We went from, you know, the holidays and in my mind, okay, I'll, I've got this money, I can flip it, but also I like stacking my money. So I'll go back to work. Maybe it'll be in um, 90 days, maybe it's six months, just kind of planning that out for myself. And then of course, as you know, following you know that time we had um, COVID-19, which was in March, 2020. And then we had the murder of George Floyd, which occurred in June, 2020, end of May, 2020. Um, and then we had, you know, elections, which if you're in marketing, you know, that timing is really distracting for consumers and businesses and not a lot happens. Um, and so that time that I thought I would take off and then kind of go back in, take off to work on my brand, but then go back in was extended. And also my, my business grew as well. Um, and then about maybe about eight months ago, I just got to a place where the reality of who we are as um, humans is that we're, we are capital, right? We are the business. And so how do I use the things that I love to do, being strategic, being creative? Um, I really actually missed working with others when you're a solo entrepreneur. It's a really isolating journey. Um, and so working to create things is what I love to do. And during the course of my unemployment from December 2019 to when I returned to Pfizer um, and what we when when I worked on Pfizer Consumer Health, we called it Big Pfizer. So um, was just two and a half years and about eight months prior to returning, I just started having this urge of, you know, this isn't the best use of my time. I was literally I've got an online business. I've got some retail locations, but I was waiting for online sales to come in and it was not the best use of my time. It was not the best use of my, the capital of my brain power. Um, and I was getting bored. And so um, along with, you know, planning for my future, I was ready to re-enter the job market. And thankfully I stayed in touch with some folks who were still at Pfizer, who um, were following my journey and, always just said, if you're ever interested in coming back, just let us know. And they would send job descriptions. Um, I would check. I, I use LinkedIn. It's a great tool. 
um, and I had some alerts based on what I was interested in and the opportunity to join Obi's team um, came about and I was like, let's, let's see what this, let's see where this will lead. And so through um, several rounds of interviews, I landed back with Pfizer as the uh, vaccine and adoption equity marketer. Well, that's an incredible story. And I'm excited about the fact that like what I so much of what you shared there around, you know, you were able to operate well in your role. Um, that role was then eliminated. You then took the the initiative uh, to continue to build yourself, continue to invest in yourself, but not only just to kind of like pour into yourself, but then leverage that to pour into others um, and continue to grow and develop as a professional, which then kept you engaged um, kept you um, um, empowered for you to then take on a new and exciting role uh, on Obi's team. And Obi, I mean, to that point, you are the director team lead on the vaccine adoption um, and equity uh, at Pfizer. I'm, I'm curious about that work. Like, talk to me about what that work is and what it really entails. Yeah. So the nice thing about this role is, is that it exists um, and that you know, I've been tasked with really setting the strategic vision um, and the objectives. So really determining what it is that it, that it means to be um, the vaccine adoption and equity team. And so Arjun and I have been doing a lot of that work um, since we started. So, you know, I've been enrolled four months today and Arjun's been enrolled about three and a half months. She could probably tell you the exact date, but um yeah, we're just, we're really just starting it out. We're starting out and we both have a, a strong passion for the work. We both bring experiences to the table that can help inform um, what this team looks like. And that's essentially what we've been doing. But what we envision um, is really thinking about what Pfizer's role, um, what, what is Pfizer's role as a corporation in terms of fostering health equity? Right. I think given the, you know, the events of the past few years, you know, George Floyd um, sort of sparked a lot of discussion across a number of industries um, around what, what equity means and how what is our responsibility as a corporation to to foster that. And and Pfizer similar equity has been a value of ours before the pandemic. And I think the pandemic has really just um, accelerated um, the pandemic and the racial reckoning that's come around the same time has really accelerated the need to to recognize the impact that um, that that structural racism has has on on us as a company, but also on the patients we serve and the ability of the patients that we serve, their ability to access um, similar levels of health health. Um, that other other populations in the, are, are able to access. So we're really thinking through and being thoughtful about what our role as as Pfizer is in terms of fostering that health that equity. Um, and our our idea and our thinking is um, specifically with COVID and with vaccines. We know that there are organizations that are based in the community that have been doing the work for the past. Two, two or so years. They are the ones that have been 
engaging with the community. They're the ones who have been spreading the word about vaccines. They've been educating. They've been answering questions. They've been debunking myths around COVID and, and the vaccines for the past two years. The, the, you know, Roger likes to say the community has been taking care of itself. And so when we think about our role, it's not to come in and create something new or, you know, try to save the day. It's really to identify who those key partners are um, who have similar sort of goals around advancing health equity in those communities that have been underserved and figuring out how we can amplify those efforts, right? Because they're the experts. They know the communities best. They know what's going to resonate. They know what's going to work. They know what's needed, right? And so for us, you know, you know, we're going to spend some time really thinking through who are the right people to, to partner with and, and how can we amplify the efforts that are already um, underway, um, especially given that, you know, we're moving into a new phase with COVID and the pandemic where, you know, we say we're moving into a new phase, right, with COVID and the pandemic where it's not front and center as it has been for the past, the past two years and moving into a commercialized model where the government isn't as involved, there isn't as much discussion around it. And um, you're gonna get vaccines in the same, the COVID vaccine in the same way that you, you got any other vaccine or any other medication and insurance comes into play and there are all these other factors, right? And so thinking as we move, we transition into a new phase, how do we ensure that you know patients who were captured through safety nets that were, um, provided by the government don't fall through the cracks, right? So we wanna ensure moving forward that anyone who wants a vaccine can get, can, can get it. And, and that's basically our, our remit. Um, and how we plan to do that is through, through levering, leveraging trusted voices, trusted partnerships with um, community-based organizations. You know, we're gonna talk a little bit more about um, about, you know, the, the shifting perspective on the pandemic in a moment, but something else you said there, um, which leads me to, um, ask Audra a question about, you know, resources and equity and access so much when it comes to like healthcare equity is about access to information. Um, and so, you know, Audra, I'm curious during the height of the pandemic, did you experience, you know, your family and friends asking you more questions and engaging you almost like an expert, right? Like, you know, we, you know, in our first, um, we, we, we did a campaign with Pfizer last year and we had some conversations and all of the employees and the leaders that we spoke to then, they talked about the fact that like their parents, their parents, their cousins, their nephews, their uncles, their aunts were asked them all kinds of questions about the vaccine, about, about the, the virus. I'm curious, like, how did you navigate that space, um, at that, at that season? Like, what, did, what was that like for you? So... I was laid off um, during that time when when the pandemic hit and um, when COVID-19 started to really affect particularly the Black and Brown communities, but you know, the world. And um, what was interesting is from being a former Pfizer employee, I was on the sidelines and really watched how Pfizer showed up as a leader. And um, as, a, as a stockholder, I was also very proud. Um, but what was interesting is that before when I worked on for Pfizer, and my family didn't really pay that much attention. And then, of course, once um, you know COVID-19 occurred, everyone 
you know, remembered that I, I had worked for Pfizer. And then particularly now during my return, it feels almost like I'm that kid that got the, the first job at McDonald's. Like everyone's proud that I, I'm, at, I'm at Pfizer. And what I learned during that time is from group text messages with my family, my aunts and uncles, everyone really was taking care of each other and checking in on each other. And um, it just so happens that my family is very... Um, health forward and proactive. Um, most of my, um, between my mom and my aunts and uncles, everyone is 60 and above. And so they were making sure that they were, um, they were isolating, that they were vaccinated. Um, they were checking in with each other on, did you order the kits for testing, sending, you know, all the latest information, some of it that of course, you know, caused, um, opportunity to kind of clarify what the facts were versus um, rumors that needed to be debunked, but they were all very proactive in their wellness. Um, and so for me, they actually served as focus as a focus group um, as I walked into even interviewing for the role and, and the work that I do today, making sure that we are closing the gap and we're thinking about the ways that the information is shared and um, and how we can, you know, break down those barriers. And if there is hesitancy within, um, you know, vaccination, like what that looks like and how we can share that information between families, because that is, has been key. Um, it's those conversations that happen at the dinner table um, and, you know, within text groups and through social media. And so how do we show up in an authentic way? And my family, for sure, during, um, the height of the pandemic definitely gave me intel on how to um, function in the way that I do in this role today. You know, I'm curious to get both of your perspectives. Again, we talked about, you know, OBU gave a really great just like overview, just like the panoramic of the past few years um, with what a lot of folks are calling a racial reckoning and just like uh, a further examination of equity in all spaces, particularly uh, including healthcare. Um, and, and just in environmental equity. Um, and then, you know, around, at, at, you know, co coinciding with the murder of George Floyd was this global pandemic um, with COVID, with, you know, so many people um, who passed away due to the, due to, uh, the virus itself. And then, um, and, the, and the rise up of organizations such as Pfizer to create vaccines and, and really try, make sure that there is accessible um, health solutions for uh, underrepresented and underserved historically marginalized communities. You know, that was over two years ago. Um, you know, mainstream media and the CDC guidelines today would intimate that the pandemic is over. Uh, but we also have Dr. Fauci just recently raising concerns about the newest variants, right? There continues to be disinformation um, regarding the reality of the virus. Like we see folks continuing to say various things, pandemic, another um, disinf just disingenuous, dishonest things, statements, phrases. I'm curious about Pfizer's plan in 2023 and beyond to provide not only accurate information, but also um, to provide accessible care to dis disproportionately impacted, historically marginalized communities. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And uh, it's not an easy one. Um, and, um, you know, the, our team, the approach that our team 
is taking, as I mentioned earlier, is really focused on engaging with communities through partnerships. I think um, it's important to one, before you go out and propose how to educate or what to educate on, it's important to understand what the questions that these communities are struggling with um, or where it is that they need additional information um, if information is lack of information is really the the issue. And so, you know, our approach as a vaccine adoption and equity team is really focused on ensuring that we have, uh, we're developing initiatives and interventions and programming um, that are truly addressing the targeted needs of these and the nuanced needs of communities who um, are looking for, for this information or have questions or are unsure, right? And so we plan to, you know, we plan to do that through through these partnerships. We plan to have our own our own colleagues who we're, we're calling community engagement specialists who, you know, will be embedded in 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 the work that these communities have already been doing and, and plan to continue to do around providing accurate information, right? Because what's happening is that we're, you know, misinformation and um, sort of information that is, is, is not necessarily true, but is raises eyebrows or grabs attention. That type of information moves at the speed of light, right? And it moves around and it permeates communities so quickly. And it's hard to completely discredit it if you don't have the tools to do so. Um, and so a lot of, you know, when we talk about education, it's not because people don't know, it's because we're sort of combating um, the the other information that's, that's out there and trying to counter it with um, trusted, reliable, uh, factual information. And so, you know, our approach, when we think about our team's approach specifically in, in, um, in 2023 is really ensuring that we are we have a clear understanding of what the needs are and where we're addressing those needs. And we're doing that through collaborations um, and we're developing meaningful and, and enduring relationships. So it's not just a one-off, here is a solution that we've come up with and then running away from the problem. It's, it's a continuous, ongoing, enduring collaboration to ensure that um, we are providing the resources that are needed to the people who need it in the way that they prefer to receive information. That's so at a, a very high level. That's that's how we're thinking about it, and we're planning to do that through you know these these colleagues on our team who will be based um, in in the communities and through working with with the, the the trusted partners who have the 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 trusted voice and the understanding of what some of the issues are that need to be overcome. I love that. You know, I, I earlier Audra talked a little bit about her journey and, um, and, and and departing and then growing and then returning to Pfizer. You know, Obi, you've been at, at Pfizer for uh, for over seven years. I'm curious as to like some of the critical moments in your career journey that um, have empowered your engagement and progression at this organization. Right. I I, I find it hard to believe that in this amount of time, there haven't been some key moments that you look back on and say, okay, this is why I'm here. This is why I'm going to continue. This is 
this is why I know um, that I can make an impact at this organization. Yeah, I think, I mean, we've talked about the impact of George Floyd. We've talked about the impact of the pandemic. I think that whole time period was a major shift for, I mean, for everybody in every way. But for me, when I think about my career, it was a major shift for me in my career because I mentioned earlier the Global Health Fellows Program and how I had my eye on it from the time that I started at Pfizer. I actually applied and was accepted and was in March 2020, I was packing up to move to Kenya um, and work for uh, an NGO in Kenya for four four months, identifying ways to um, reduce supply chain issues that were hindering people from getting access, the appropriate access to healthcare. So I was ready to essentially get the experience that was going to propel my career in a way that was going to make it global in scope and was really going to change outcomes for the people who needed it the most. But again, the year was 2020 and everything was canceled, right? So for me, that was a, a, a major devastation, but also like an opportunity for me to, co- to come back to, to, to my, my, my work and think about what it was that I wanted to do. As part of the racial reckoning, there were a lot of conversations that were happening within Pfizer about it. And um, it was really the first opportunity that I spoke up about, um, spoke up publicly about the impact that racism and structural racism has had on me as a, as a Black woman in corporate America. Um, and that was the impetus of me starting, sort of starting to see the role and the responsibility that I had to sort of um, talk about changing the way corporate America operates, changing the opportunities, making things more equitable for um, for Black people, for Black women in corporate America. That's when I really started to see uh, the role that I had in, in helping to foster that. It was also a, a point in time where I started to see, to, to bring together my day job and my sort of extracurricular activities. So all, you know, I talked about my career path, but on the side, I had always been involved in organizations um, that were focused on um, creating opportunities and supporting Black people as they navigated the college experience, navigated the business school experience, navigated the corporate America career development experience. I was always, as I was progressing in my career, career I was always sort of involved in other organizations other colleague resource groups that were really focused on enhancing and propelling the experiences of other um, other Black people in this country. And so at that point in time, after you know coming back to my role and not being able to do this Global Health Fellowship, I started to think about the intersection between my day job and this passion that I had for um, giving back um, to people who, were, who look like me. Um, and I think as the organization was starting to think, at the same time, the organization was starting to think about that as well. And I just happened to be, I think I happened to be in the right place at the right time too, where Pfizer was starting to really um, engage the business in a way that reflected an understanding that equity was no longer just a nice to have, right? In terms of like having a diverse group of people working for the company, diverse teams, all this other stuff, like really thinking about it as, no, this is a requirement for the business that we do, right? This is something that is important to our bottom line. This is something that is a business imperative, right? 
same time that was starting to happen at Pfizer. So I just kind of like jumped on the bandwagon and figured out like, okay, this is something I'm passionate about. This is a direction that the organization is moving. How do I, how do I get involved? How do I use the skills and the experience that I've had up until this point to really con- contribute to what the organization is trying to do from an equity perspective? And so I started to explore roles in the business that were equity focused. My previous role, I you know, was one of the first equity teams within the commercial organizations in Pfizer. And I, I got into that role and I was like, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is it. Um, and I, I worked, I got the experience and, you know, the role that I'm currently in became available, which was to me was a very positive sign in that the um, thinking around equity as a business imperative was starting to grow up in, in different parts of the organization and um, this, you know, this role was like the opportunity that I had dreamt about, right? Really being able to take my, the skills that I had developed in consulting, where it was like, you have little information, you have little direction and little time and maybe little re- resources. How do you make something, something where there isn't any, there isn't a path already carved for you? How do you create something and build something um, that is meaningful and impactful. So this role was was created without many ground rules or a path carved out, or even like there was a description, but there wasn't really a, a plan. And and I it's kind of this kind of like the space that I, I really love to play in to really just come in and, and build something from from the from the ground up. Um, and so um, yeah, that 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 all started with the. Um, all the happenings around George, George Floyd and shifting paths from this global health to now thinking more deeply about how do I merge my passion for equity and this on, ongoing and growing trend within the organization to make it a, a business imperative. And now I'm in this role and I feel so blessed and so fortunate to have this opportunity, so fortunate to have someone like Audra on my team who is, you know, we're really like focused on what it is that we're trying to do. We're passionate. We feel very, very strongly about, um, about the work and are really, you know, aligned in terms of what, what we want, um, what we want to build. So I feel very fortunate to be here, very excited about what it is that we are, 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 are looking to do and, and planning to do and, and, and hopeful about the future. But it really started with that, um, that all, all the, the discussion around, George Floyd and, and what our role is as an organization to serve the people who work within the organization, but also to break down barriers for the patients we serve who are not able to sort of live their healthiest lifestyle because there are structural barriers that are preventing them from doing so. And how do we as an organization um, foster that? How do we help remove those types of barriers? There's, there's nothing uh, more empowering um, that I think I could be working on at the moment. I mean, so much there that you said, Obi, especially though I think about, you know, what organizations are focused on um, and this this idea or reality rather that equity is no longer a nice to have. It is really growing t- to be more of a, a core piece of an organization's DEA, D- DEA, DNA. This is why it's not live, y'all. An organization's DNA. Um, and I'm as, as I think about like the future of of work and I think about. Some of the other things you said there, you said a few times, passion, interest, um, you know, priority. Um, I think about Gen Z and like Audra, like with your work in and outside of Pfizer, 
like you've engaged with communities um, you've engaged with like, you know, the next generation of worker. I'm curious with Gen Z being one of the most diverse politically engaged um, and technologically enabled generations ever um, as they enter the workforce, what advice would you give uh, to senior leaders trying to really attract that talent, particularly black and brown talent and particularly black women talent in that generational cohort? That's it's a great question. And what's interesting is my journey um, during layoff is exactly what led me back to Pfizer, that opportunity as I was working on the brand that I was building, it put me in rooms, in spaces and conversations along with what was already happening um, that was um, no one had ever seen, right? And in, in, at least in my lifetime, those changes um, from, you know, really a racial reckoning within this country and across the world, um, along with, you know, our, our, our public health and what that looks like. And so that journey, um, in those rooms and spaces put me in front of the very um, generation that you're talking about. And um, what has driven me is how is it that we can shift the rooms? How is it that we can change um, access and create opportunity? Um, and so through those conversations um, and including in this role, what are some of those systemic inequities um, that will allow others to be a part of the conversation or those who have been considered others to be a part of the conversation. And we know that diversity and equity and inclusion um, are great for a bottom line of a business, right? That's just one piece of it. And so what I would say is partnering with affinity groups, um, either within your organization or outside from, you know, HBCUs to, fostering talent through mentorship. I've had this conversation. I think if you look at corporations and where they are and how they serve their the communities that they're in, how do you look at the corridor that you're in and maybe adopt a high school and let your professionals, your executives go into those schools and find ways to mentor, help bring them into the organization to see that, that there is a place for them. I, I One thing I learned during my journey um, building that brand is that um, if if kids can see it, then they know that they can be it. Um, and so it's also on us um, as professionals to go find those ways to have the conversations, to talk about what we do so that it 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 can seem so much more achievable, right? When you talk about your education, you talk about the path that it took to get where you are. Um, I think tapping current um, Black employees to help with recruitment is key. Um, I can say that most of the opportunities I've had is through the relationships and the networks that I've built, um, including using social sites like LinkedIn. I think um, either through recruitment, you know, I, my profile photo is very prominent on my LinkedIn. So, you know, if you want to, if you have the intent to recruit Black talent, you're going to see that I am a Black woman, and then you will see what qualifies me for that role, right? And so I think those who are the gatekeepers within HR and in recruitment need to also be intentional and work harder, and they can use tools like social. Um, I've had recruiters reach out to me to say, if, if you're not interested, do you know someone who is? 
And that is, to me, language that says, like, we know your network might look like you. And so is this an opportunity that you can help us and pass along as well? Um, I would also say it's on us to own our careers. Obi definitely spoke to that, how she had a vision for where she wanted to be. I think that it's never too early to really strategize on where you want to go. And, um, you know, for me and my journey, I, while I was laid off, I was still really proactively building for my future. I took, um, I got certified in digital marketing. I wanted to stay fresh, right? So that when I did re-enter the job market, I, I was um, a valuable, I brought value to the table. Um, I also, because of the nature of my journey, I was a part of conversations that I hadn't necessarily considered before. And I wanted to be more grounded um, from an education standpoint in DEI. And so I took coursework um, on DEI. And so again, preparing for the vision of your future is key and we need to own it, but also the corporations who've made a lot of promises um, following the murder of George Floyd um, is that it needs to be intentional and there are networks and resources that should be leveraged um, to get there so that um, we are creating a more diverse workforce and we're shifting those rooms. I love that. This has been an incredible conversation. Frankly, I think we could talk for a couple more hours, but I want to honor this time. I appreciate you both. My last question for each of you, and I'm going to ask Audra for you to go first. What are each of you excited most about at Pfizer in 2023? Oh my gosh. I'm a nerd right now. Marketing nerd. I am really excited about, as Obi mentioned, we're, we really entered a total, um, I call it a black space, but a white space um, where it's this opportunity for, you know, her to build what this vaccine equity and adoption could look like at Pfizer and me being able to be a part of helping to drive that is an honor. And so I am, um, given, you know, what, 90 plus days in, looking forward to like that beginning of the planning cycle um, to kick things off and really drive what a full year of um, of our strategies will look like and bringing those to life and creating the really smart partnerships that will help us close the gap on vaccine equity. So I'm excited. I couldn't agree more. Um, we've been in the space that's the, the, the role is new, the team is new, the work is not totally new because I think that there have been some efforts, I've seen efforts across the organization to try to close the gap, but you know, we're now a, a, a team that's solely focused on, on achieving that. And I'm, I'm so excited about the potential. I'm so excited about what it is that we could um, create because it not only has, not only has an impact on obviously you know, vaccines and our, our immediate sort of circle and cross-functional partners and the, the, the people that we serve. But I think it, it's, it starts to build and enhance the case for more initiatives like this across the organization and across corporate America. You know, it's interesting. I, I've been attending a couple of cross-industry conferences in the past few weeks and um, I, you know, was expecting to develop myself as a leader, network a little bit. What I, what I wasn't expecting is to really see 
like what we're trying to do at Pfizer in terms of understanding our work and how we engage with communities is not something that's particular to pharma or health equity. Every industry is trying to figure out how to do something, something similar, which is very exciting, very empowering. We want to make sure that that is also enduring, that it's not something that's, you know, it's, it's a trend at the moment, everybody's on it, and then people disappear. We want to make sure that we're setting ourselves up to have an impact that it's going to have an impact on the patients we serve in 2023, but beyond, and then just making the case for why this is something that's important and why this is something that we need to take seriously and invest in when it comes to resources and people throughout the organization. So just really excited about the potential. It feels like the potential um, is so great um, and can really like, you know, just positively impact the, the, the people that we think need it the most. I love that. Look, I want to say it's been a pleasure having y'all on. Hope y'all know y'all are friends of the show. You're welcome back anytime. And um, listen, y'all, if y'all want to learn more about Pfizer, uh, if you would like to learn more about the work that Audra and Obi are doing, please make sure you click the links in the show notes. Now, look, if you're driving, I'm not asking you to do it while you're driving. All right. Pull over to the side. Put your hazards on. You know what I mean? Get the little bing on, bing on, bing on. Then look in your phone. Scroll down. Look in the show notes. Okay. Then you'll see some links in the bottom. Click the links in the show notes to learn more about the incredible work Pfizer is doing to create equity for historically marginalized uh, groups and communities uh, through accessible care and uh, sharing proper resources and information. And uh, if you just want to learn more about just the work of Pfizer overall, just make sure you just click the links in the show notes because they're right there for you. Uh, until next time, Obi, Audra, thank you for being guests. We'll talk to you soon. And we're back. Yo, shout out to the Pfizer team. You know, I am really appreciative and thankful for the opportunity that Living Corporate provides and affords so many of uh, us. And by us, I mean black and brown folks who otherwise would not have their voice amplified. I'm thankful for the work that we do here as a network. Make sure if you're not already tuning in to the other shows across our network, the leadership range, Liberated Love Notes, which should be coming back soon. What's up, Brittany? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. Uh, the, the Access Point, the group chat. Shout out to Vonda Page. Uh, you know, we have so many, so many shows, including you, Amy C. Weininger. Thank you so much for all the things that you do. Uh, the Clarity Podcast with Tristan Layfield of, uh, resume, of uh, resume Consulting. Uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate all of you. Um, I appreciate not just like our team, but our listenership, our first and last time listeners. (laughs) I appreciate the folks who can push past their fragility and engage in content that may not center their emotions. I appreciate uh, I just I'm just in an appreciative mood. I hope that this holiday season is bringing you peace and blessings and um, make sure the last thing I'll say is the merch people will see me and be like yo where'd you get that hoodie because I'll be on I'll be hooded up on cam I'll be, I'll be wearing my hoodies tough uh, people love the living corporate hoodies and they ask me where to get them I went to the shop page thinking that you know they right there but I realized that we don't really promote our merch like that so I'm encouraging you check out our merch livingcorporate.shop and um, and you know bless yourself shout out to Matamba Austin that's my man the hundred grand uh, he's a mentor of mine he's part of the living corporate advisory board 
I can shout him out for a bunch of different reasons. But the real thing I want to shout out right now is he always has the crispiest living corporate hoodie. He'll send me a picture from time to time when he gets a little cold. I'm not going to say where he lives because I'm not trying to dox nobody. But, you know, he gets a little chilly where he's at from time to time. And so uh, every time he shows me, it's like, it's like, yo, did you just buy that? How is your hoodie so crispy? So anyway, shout out to the people who um, who appreciate the merch. And like I said, if you want to peep the merch, um, just click the link in the show notes. There's so many links in the show notes. Like, frankly, there's a whole world in the show notes. You know what I mean? That's when I tell y'all to, like, look in there. I'm not playing. Like, really, take the time to explore. You know what I'm saying? There's a, there's a bevy, a, tr- a treasure trove of content and uh, avenues of engagement with our brand and our affiliates by clicking the links in the show notes. All right. <laughs> This really went off the rails, but in a great way. And uh, look, I love y'all. Talk to you soon. Happy holidays. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.